you would stand with me as we will be reading the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up to the book of Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. And as Pastor said, we are starting a series today. Um, It should not sound unfamiliar to you. It's bring them to Jesus. This has been the theme for our entire year so far. Um, And we're going to find in our text today a statement that goes almost contradictory to what you see even on the screen. What we're going to read is it says they couldn't bring them to Jesus. And so um, let's dive right into the text from Mark chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, it says, And when Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. And soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So... They dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my son or my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law were sitting there. They thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. And so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and he said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed, and they praised God, exclaiming, We have never seen anything like this before. As we open in prayer this morning, my my request for each of us is to pray and say, God, I I want you to speak to me today. And I want to be challenged by this. I I know the text we just read in this story is actually something that if you've been around the church at all for any length of time, it's one that's very familiar. And what we can do without doing it intentionally is when we get to a familiar text, We can kind of just turn off a light switch. We go, I I know that story. My prayer is that God would open it up with fresh new eyes for us today, but that we would also be challenged to take action when we walk out of this room. So would you join me in prayer? Father, we come before you. Jesus, so thankful, Lord, for who you are and all that you've done. And Jesus, we just invite your presence into this room. Lord, we ask that you would um, speak to us today, that you would challenge our hearts, God. Lord, we ask that as we open up your word and we dive into it this morning, that we would leave here as different people challenged by what your word has to say for us. That, Lord, we would walk out of here with intentionality, ready to take part in your kingdom work. That we would leave with action. We thank you for this in your precious and most holy name we pray. Amen. I find it funny that we can talk ourselves out of almost anything, especially when we're being pathetic and lazy. Uh, I've got a son who, um, he's two years old, his name's Calvin, and one of his favorite things to do is to watch 
Um, at the time, it was Mother Goose Nursery Rhymes. Now, my son is at the stage in life that he loves Mother Goose Nursery Rhymes. I'm at the stage in my life where I do not like Mother Goose Nursery Rhymes. But it's one of those things that it calms him. Um, he loves it. He'll get in the zone. And, and so he, he was, Dad, Dad, please, I, I want to watch, you know, I want Mother Goose, Mother Goose. And so I'm like, ah, okay. So we turn it on and I, I get down to my chair and uh, I've got my soda in one hand, you know, bag of chips in the other. Life is good. Got a heating pad on my back. You know, you're just, feet are propped up a little bit. You're, you're in that moment. Well, he soon and very quickly gets distracted, decides to leave the room to go play with his Thomas the Train tank engines. And then I'm left in that quandary. You know what I'm talking about. The remotes across the room. Do I leave this space of comfort of recline and go all the way across the room to get the remote that feels like it's a mile away, but it's like 10 feet? Or do I just stay where I'm at? So I'm sitting here and you know, I'm having this battle in my brain. Like, do I get up? Man, this chair is comfy. <laughs> this pop's pretty good too. You know? <laughs> it's been about five or so minutes and my wife comes walking into the room and she does one of these. She, she looks at me. She looks at the TV. She scans the room and sees there's no children. And they say, what are you doing? <laughs> right? And my response to her was, I, I, I couldn't change the channel. Well, my couldn't was based on the fact I didn't want to walk five feet. Right? I was, cause I was being lazy and pathetic. But what I find is this, is that most of the couldn'ts that we face, rarely are they a true reality. More often than not, couldn't is a false perspective that we've chosen to embrace as truth, especially when it comes to bringing people to Jesus. Most of the time, the couldn'ts that we face in regards to sharing our faith, asking or inviting someone to church, has very little to do, it, it, more often than not, our couldn't for sharing our faith is a false perspective that we have chosen to embrace as truth. I want to talk to you just briefly about the perspective of couldn't, because that word couldn't, it has a perspective. Couldn't, whenever we start thinking about whatever it is that we've determined, I can't do that. I couldn't do it. There's just no possible way. It starts to make us feel like that the only choice that we have is inaction. I can't step forward. I can't do that next thing. I can't, there, there's just no way that it's possible for me. And we start to embrace that. Or let's just wait and see what happens. Maybe someone else will walk into the living room and get the remote for me. <laughs> I couldn't get it, but maybe one of my able-bodied children can walk in. <laughs> or we start thinking about, especially in regards to witnessing, maybe tomorrow or, or maybe next week or, or maybe the next time that I see them. I, I couldn't share my faith right now, but maybe next time. Maybe there'll be a, a better open door. We like to use that terminology too. But this is what I know, that the perspective of couldn't is that couldn't is always looking for a way out rather than a way in. Couldn't will always get us to count the wrong cost. What is it going to cost me? Not what will it create for the kingdom? This is what I know. When we desire to bring people to Jesus, 
when we desire to do what we've said as the theme for our entire year, every single time when we desire to bring people to Jesus, the goal of the enemy is to always, always, always create a couldn't. It's not coincidence that the second you start to think about sharing your faith with someone, like you've instantly got 10,000 excuses why this is not the right moment, this is not the right time, I am not the right person, I'm not equipped, I don't have the right words. The world's going to blow up if I do this. It's not coincidence the second that you feel the urge to say something, try something, or do something, that a list of excuses just naturally rises to the surface. We suddenly become mind readers. They won't like church. I just know. There's no chance that they would ever want to go with me. Or we'll start rationalizing. um, My asking could change our relationship. It could maybe make them feel weird around me. So I'll just try to continue to live like Jesus in front of them. And maybe they'll come to faith just by me being really, really good to them. Or they might think I'm weird and just flat out walk away. Or I might endanger the relationship or I might endanger my job or even worse, I might endanger my comfort. Every single time you desire to bring people to Jesus, you will face a couldn't. You know, again, our theme has been bring them to Jesus and pastor started it this year. We looked at the the gospel of John and in this, we find this story. One of the disciples doesn't get a lot of screen time. His name's Andrew. But one that's really interesting about Andrew is that every single time that Andrew's mentioned, he's essentially bringing someone to Jesus. And in this text that we find um, that we started the year off with, Andrew brought his brother Peter to meet Jesus. He brings him along. Listen to me. There is no Peter if there wasn't a bringing Andrew. We wouldn't have this person who we saw do these phenomenal things and that God worked through in powerful ways if there hadn't been an Andrew who faced some couldn'ts and brought Peter to Jesus. This was the theme, but then 2020 happened. 2020 decided to lose its collective mind. (laughs) Our theme was bring them to Jesus and then it's like, eh, quarantine. (laughs) Stay at home. Talk to no one. <laughs> you know, like all this kind of happen. And so what happens is this. So we find ourselves in a place where we feel like, man, it feels like couldn't. And it's a lot like the story we're diving into today. So let's, let's, let's jump back into it one more time. From Mark chapter 2. It says, when Jesus ret- returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. And soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors, there was no more room, even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, comma. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. As we read that text, what we find is a most beautiful so and a most important comma. And the question that is faced to you and to me, what do we do at the comma? 
The comma is the space between the declaration of couldn't and our corresponding action in our perspective. The comma is the space in the story where the enemy wants to declare something and wants to stop the word of God, but then the choice comes for the people of God. Will you accept his terms or will you step forward in action? The comma is the space where every single time it is so easy to just grab from your bag full of excuses and drop one in there. The question is, what do we do at the comma? As far as I can tell, Every single act of evangelism, every single time you share your faith, every faithful kingdom action, every single one of them has a comma. A space between what the enemy wants to declare and what God wants to do. But can I just say something? You're here today because someone in your life took action at the comma. Someone in your life, somewhere, they prayed for you. They believed in you. They believed that God could do the most amazing things. Maybe it's long down your family line, the very first person who came into the faith. Someone refused to accept, couldn't, and when they saw it, said no. No. Someone looked into your life And they saw couldn't, but they chose to believe in a God who could. There's a a youth pastor I was at a conference with, and he was telling a story about um, one of the teens that he was working with. He, He was on student leadership. He had invested in this teen for a number of years. This kid had a passion and love for Jesus. Um, But right at his senior year, Everything about his life just ended up in shambles. Family just got torn apart to pieces. And um, what we find is that this, this teen ends up walking away from Christ for easily more than a decade. Now, you know, the, 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 there's a lot of beautiful things that have come from social media. One of the hard things about social media <laughs> is you get to watch people's lives self-destruct in front of your very eyes. And so this youth pastor, he got to watch this, this boy um, ended up in, in and out of like some gangs. And it was, on the, it was in California, just really struggling with some stuff to the point that he had gotten to the place where he was really pushing completely away um, from God and just belief in God in general. Finally, one day, he, it's a Sunday, and he's driving by a church. And as he's doing so, um, he's, he's kind of having a conversation with God. And he's mad at God. And so he says to him, um, God, you're not real. And your people are pathetic. And I'll prove it to you. I'm going to look for the very first church that's nearby. I'm going to pull into the parking lot. And I want you to watch how they judge me. So he intentionally takes his long sleeve shirt off. So he's got his cut off tank top and he's got tattoo sleeves completely down his arms. So his arms are just completely covered in tattoos. And he comes, he comes walking, um, parks in the parking lot and he gets out, shuts his car door, does a quick look around. And he sees in the corner an 86 year old woman walking straight towards him. And he goes, I knew it, God, I don't even have to enter the door room. I don't even have to enter the doors of that church. I'm already going to be judged. I'm here in the parking lot. So he sees her walking towards him. And so he just makes a beeline straight for her. Like, all right, let's get this done. He's walking straight towards her. He gets right up to her and she walks up to him and she goes, nice tats. 
his walls drop. He walks inside. He hears the gospel for the first time in 10 years. Gives his life over to Christ. And is now making a massive impact for the kingdom. All because someone refused to accept couldn't. What do we do at the comma? What do we do at the comma? The kingdom of God needs followers of Christ who will quit following up the comma with excuses and will instead start following it up with so's. I love this. It says (coughs) they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Let's talk for just a little bit about what canceling couldn't requires. If we're going to cancel couldn't, what does that require? It's going to require a a few things. It's going to require intentionality, determination, creativity, and faithful love. Um, I always like to think in this story that the four friends were junior high boys. A little bit wild, a little bit wiry, a little bit disdain for the rules, right? And what I love about this story too is it nowhere tells us that the paralyzed friend was okay with what was going on. Right? Like they did not go to him and be like, hey, by the way, we're going to take you to Jesus and this is blah, 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 the plan. Like we do not know if he was on board with the project. They just go to their house and they're like, hey, bud, knock, knock, knock. we're going to take you to Jesus today. Oh, okay, who's Jesus? Why? Well, yeah. Don't worry about it. It's going to be good. You're going to love it, right? You know, he's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. It, you know, can't you just see like the four junior high boys? They're like taking him down the road there. Have you ever carried dead weight before? You know what I'm talking about? Like that is not easy. And not only that, if you're carrying dead weight, that's a body and that body's alive. You've got to carry that carefully. So there's not tipping. <laughs> you don't want a little like sliding issue going on. <laughs> so you've got these four friends walking down the road. You know, people are looking like, what is going on out there? Like, what are those, what are those guys doing? So they're taking him to Jesus and they get there. And at some point in time, they have to put him down because they can't get into the room. So, you know, they're, they're like poking people in the back. Hey, hey, we've got a friend. We, we, we need to get him to Jesus. He's paralyzed. And they're like, no, this is my spot. I got here early. <laughs> you know, but we Christians, we never do that. Never. No, no, no. Right. And they're like, I, I'm not moving. I got you. I showed up early. Where were you? And they're like, I was getting my friend. You know, he's paralyzed. He needs Jesus. And I love it because, you know, at some point they go back to him and they're like, oh, he's a guy's, you know, I'm sorry. Thank you so much for trying. This is, this is just the best thought. You guys are really good friends, but like I can see the crowd. There's, there's just no chance this can't happen. <laughs> and then there's Ted. doesn't say his name in the story. I just gave him the name Ted. <laughs> but Ted's like, And he's seen Ted have that look before. He's like, no. Ted, no. I don't know what you're thinking, but no. (laughs) Ted's like, let's take him to the roof. (laughs) Right? I mean, think about this. They've got their paralyzed friend and they're like, we're going to drag you onto the roof. Now, in their day and time, there was most likely a form of staircase that went up the side. I like to not believe that was the case in this house. I like to think it was a ladder. 
right? You've just got four guys that are like, we can do this. We got some ropes. And he's like, guys, you're going to drop me along the way. And they're like, no, no, no. We brought ropes. We're going to tie you to your mat, <laughs> right? So they're roping him down. They're getting ready. They're, they're like carrying up like to the top of the roof. And, and I just love it. He gets up there and, you know, he's like, guys, okay, cool. Awesome. We're on the roof now. Jesus is like, what's your plan? And Ted's like, hmm, we're going to dig a hole. <laughs> now, if you're on top of a roof and you're trying to get below you, what's the chances you're in the right spot? Try number one. Here's how I envision it. Jesus is over here doing his thing. There's some dust right, right about over there where like Haley and Missy are sitting. You just see a hole poke through the ceiling and you just got this junior high boy's head that pops down. He's 10 feet that way. <laughs> right? So they're digging the second hole now, right? And they're, they're trying to make it big enough for a body to fit through because you can't go vertically like a pencil. He's paralyzed. Let, I mean, let's be real. You've got to make this hole big. Stuff's crashing down on the people underneath and you just got this body assembling, you know, descending from the ceiling. And what I love about this, listen to me, everyone else most likely in that room is completely ticked off other than Jesus who's sitting with a smile on his face. He's like, yes, this is what I'm about. Listen to me. They're bringing their friend to Jesus took intentionality. They refused excuses. If there was ever a moment for excuses, they had it. I mean, they had a a number of, she can't get into the room. That's a lot of weight to have to carry. Who knows how far they had to take him. Now we got to go on top of a roof. We might have to destruct someone's house to be able to get into. But they refused excuses. They rejected ignorance. You know, so many times we're just like, I I don't think that that person would really, I don't don't know if they'd want to come to church with me. I'm not sure they really want Jesus. And we start inserting things into their story that we think based on what we're looking at. If you look at the story that Jesus tells of the prodigal son, where he was at, everyone would have assumed he had no desire to go home. He was far away. He'd been living a life completely contrary to what his father desired. He didn't look the part. He didn't act the part. He didn't seem the part. But the the truth was, as he was sitting in the mud, all he was thinking about was home. If we're going to bring people to Jesus, we have to be intentional. We have to reject all the excuses, reject ignorance, and then we have to be determined. They didn't give up hope. They didn't accept the perspective of couldn't. And if we're going to cancel couldn't, we're also going to have to carry someone's weight for a bit. Have you ever carried dead weight before and had to also do it with care? That puts some strain on you a little bit. It was not easy, I guarantee you, carrying this guy all the way to that house and then up a flight of stairs and then digging a hole and then very carefully with like ropes and pulleys, lowering him down to Jesus. It was a day worth of carrying weight. But they were creative. (laughs) I think that's an understatement. They saw opportunities where everybody else saw obstacles. They had outside-the-box creativity to bring their friend to Jesus. And they were creative because they were not afraid of a bit of a mess. If you're going to bring someone to Jesus, there's going to be a bit of a mess. 
When they started digging through that roof, there would have been dust, debris, an angry homeowner, angry people underneath, but a happy Savior. Angel, can you hand me those golf balls? Thank you. So this past Friday, there was the Fellowship of Christian Athletes um, golf tournament. We were playing. uh, We did an early start. Most of the other teams took off in the afternoon. (laughs) So we got lucky. There was like no one playing behind us. If you are any golfers in the room, just raise your hand. Golfers? Anybody? Okay, there's a few. All right. This right here is a Pro V1 golf ball. So these go for about four bucks per ball. So a set of 12 is from anywhere from like 45 to $60. Okay. I do not play with Pro V1s. <laughs> um, but we were playing at this course, and on the day of the event, they gave you a sleeve of three, which is just, like, phenomenal. It's like, yeah. Well, one of the, the persons in our group, they sank one into a creek. And um, is he in the room? Okay, I can rat on him. Luke Hart hit one into the creek because he's not as good of a golfer as me and Jeff is. He, Jeff, it's just we didn't hit it in the creek. Luke hit it in the creek. <laughs> but I asked him, I'm like, Luke, can you go get that ball? And he's like, no, man, it's in the creek. I did one of these. I looked behind me. There was no golfers for forever. I whipped off my shoes, whipped off my socks. Next thing you know, I'm in the creek hunting golf balls at the Delaware County Country Club. I've got, you know, (laughs) I'm sitting here and I'm like wading through the water and I'm looking through and I'm picking up. And and here's what's interesting. So this one's been cleaned up just a teeny little bit. You can't (laughs) see much on it. But underneath there, it says Titleist 4 and then Pro V1. That night, me and my son, we, we took the balls that we fished out from the creek and we scrubbed them up a little bit. And this is another one that came from the creek. These were passed by countless people that just left them there because they determined they didn't have value because they couldn't see beneath the surface. But when you scrub just a teeny little bit, the image appears again. The stamped image of its maker. You and I, we can come into contact with people every single day that they've, they've got some pain they've been through. But God's looking and he's going, my image is still on them. That's my son. That's my daughter. Will you go in the creek? Will you reject every single excuse? Will you see what could be past what? you currently look at and see. See, the reason they did this though is because they had a faithful love. This was a man who needed his friends to reject their couldn't. And can I tell you something? Someone needs you to reject your couldn't for the sake of their life. About just under a year ago, I was on call for the weekend and I was going to Bull Hospital to do some hospital visits. And um, I was trying to make it a quick trip because after that I was going to go watch a, I think it was a basketball game at the time. I couldn't remember what, but um, for one of the students in the youth ministry. And so I, I come running in to check uh, the room numbers because Ball Hospital loves to play a little game with pastors where they just constantly move patients from room to room. So <laughs> we always check before we go in. 
And I walk into that moment and I walk into the room and have you ever been into a room where instantly you can feel the tension, like you can cut it with a knife. You haven't heard anything. You haven't witnessed anything, but you can tell something's going on. It was that kind of moment. There was a lady behind the desk and she was just a really nice, sweet lady, but I could tell there was something going on between her and all the way across the other end of the counter was two young adult, uh, female ladies. And there was something going on. I'm just trying to mind my own business. I get to the desk and I'm like getting my room numbers and they start back at it again. I'm not really kind of paying attention until one of them addresses me and then they go, tell her, tell her. And I'm like, what? And they go, tell her there's no proof for the existence of God. (laughs) And I was like, okay, (laughs) we're doing this today. (laughs) And I was like, would you love to have a discussion about that? And she goes, who are you? I said, I'm a local pastor. And the lady behind the desk goes, praise you, Jesus. Right. And so, right. And I'm sitting there and, and I, so I go over and I start talking to like the two young adult ladies and, and I'm talking to them for a while. And, and this is what I find 90% of the time when we speak the truth in love, if we do it in love, people's guards will come down. And you can have a, a really good conversation. So we're talking and we're going for a while, but I know that I've got places. And so I told him, I'm like, listen, I really have to go pray with these patients real quick. But if you will be here when I come back down, I will talk to you again. I, I go up to the rooms. I'm assuming they're long gone. I'm like, they, you know, they're tired of hearing from this pastor. I go up there, pray with the different patients. I come back down and they're waiting for me at the desk. And I come back over and I start talking to him again. And we start getting past like your typical, like, apologetic type questions and we get to the nitty gritty. And at some point in time, the Holy spirit just kind of whispers to me and I look across to the one girl who's kind of the ringleader of the two. And I just simply say, has someone in the church hurt you deeply? And that's why you have this perspective of God. And she instantly just starts bawling right there in the lobby ball hospital. I looked at her and I said, I, I want you to hear my voice is that I want to apologize for whatever that was, but I also want to tell you to come home. So you have a savior who loves you and find a church. There's plenty of awesome, great people out there who will love you and walk with you through this. As far as I know, I do not believe that she's taken me up on that offer or has returned. But if we're going to look at this story, we have to look at the tragedy of creating couldn't. See, those four friends, they faced a couldn't because of the crowd. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd in the room. We have to be people who are relentless about not creating a couldn't for someone to get to Jesus. And we create a couldn't, number one, through our silence. Albert Moeller says this, at the end of the day, the biggest obstacle to evangelism is Christians who don't share the gospel. I'm going to say that again. At the end of the day, the biggest obstacle to evangelism is Christians who do not share the gospel. We create a couldn't if we stay silent, but we also create a couldn't if our rights are our first priority or if we hold on to our comfort at the expense of of the hurting. One of the things I am thankful about at Glad Tidings is that we have a group of people here that we are known 
for our love. And I pray that that would always stay that way, that whenever people come in. But can I just tell you something that Christians sometimes, we have this annoying habit of like declaring, this is my chair. I'm stepping on some toes. I know it. It's okay. I like awkward moments. We think this is my chair. And what happens is, is what happens if a new person comes walking into the room and they're terrified and they already think that Christians are going to judge them. And we were to walk up to them in the middle of a service and say, can you move over? That's my seat. In a moment, we have just solidified in their mind everything that they thought to be true about us. Listen to me. Pastor Kevin sits in this seat every single week right here. One of these two. But I can promise you something. If someone brand new came walking in and they sat in a seat, he'd be sitting where Kayla's sitting. We have to be people who are intentional and relentless about not creating a couldn't. We have to have love written across our hearts. We, we create a couldn't also when we don't like the mess that's created by bringing lost people to Jesus. What's my outlook and perspective? The people in that house... And most likely even the, old, the owner, they were probably a little unhappy when the debris started to fall from the ceiling. But you know who wasn't? Our Savior. The mess didn't bother him a bit. And as that body lowered from the ceiling, you get the picture, he's actually still staring at the four junior high boys and Ted. He's like, hi, Ted. I'm proud of you. See, the question that this text challenges us with is this. Am I in the way of people who are trying to get to Jesus? To bring people to Jesus, we cannot be people who are creating a couldn't, who are embracing a couldn't. We need to be people who are moving forward with a so. There's a... uh, an illusionist magic group called Penn and Teller. Some of you probably heard of them before. Penn Gillette is an ardent atheist. He's an advocate for atheism. He vehemently believes that there is no God. <clears throat> After one of his shows, a man um, who he had used in one of his acts walks up to him. He was an audience member, came up and talked to him afterwards, and he handed uh, Penn Gillette a Bible. And he wrote in the front of it, and he said to him, I want you to have this as a gift from me. And I want you to just, just listen with me. This is what Penn said. He said he was kind, he was nice, he was sane, and he looked me in the eyes, he talked to me, and then he gave me this Bible. Now listen to me very carefully. This what you're about to hear is from one of the most devout atheists out there. This is what he said. I've always said I don't respect people who don't evangelize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe there is a heaven and a hell and that people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think it's not really worth telling them this because you think it would make it be socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody not to share your faith with them? How much do you have to hate someone to believe in everlasting life and that it's possible but not tell them that. And he follows it up with this story. He gives this example. He said, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt, a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it. And that truck was bearing down on you. There is a certain point that I will tackle you. And this, what we're talking about is more important 
than that. This atheist says, I have no issues when people share their faith with me because I get where they're coming from. He ends up by saying, I know there's no God and one polite person living this life is not going to change that for me, but I can tell you he was a very, very good man and that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, it's okay if we have a deep disagreement. That man faced a couldn't and he passed it. Pastor Clayton, if you could come up, I'm going to end with one final story. Many, many, many years ago, um, there was a student in my youth ministry. This was actually when I was pastoring in Akron, Ohio at the time. And uh, <coughs> he uh, started to come to church and he got saved. Um, he nor his family had ever been in church their entire life. But he'd been invited by a friend who got creative, did not tell him he was coming to church. He just said, hey, come with me to this place. We're going to play football together. Showed up and he heard the gospel he stayed for the next week and the next week and the next week and he gave his heart to Christ. I didn't know it at the time. I used to pick him up every single week and bring him to church. Um, but at the time, uh, he was lying to his parents because he knew that if he told his parents where he was going, if he told his parents he was coming to church, they would tell him, you cannot come. So he would say, I'm going to a friend's house. And then I, I had no clue. I was picking him up and that he was lying to his parents. Um, one day his mom finds out where he'd been going and she was mad and it ended up into a massive family argument and uh, he and his brother got into it and at one point in time his older brother looked at him and said your faith is destroying our family he said it's not it's the most important thing to me he said why don't you come to church with me and he looked at his brother and he said you don't want me to come to church with you if I come to church with you I'm going to walk right up to your youth pastor you like so much I'm going to cuss him out to his face so that boy comes to me the, the next week and it's he waits till youth's over and everyone's kind of cleared out and he gets a moment to talk one on one with me and he starts sharing with me this story and he goes Pastor Josh I just don't, I just don't know what to do what do you think I should do and I said you need to invite your brother to youth goes, Pastor Josh I just told you if I invite him he's going to cuss you out to your face I said I know you might find this hard, but this will not be the first or last time I've ever been cussed out. (laughs) I'm like, I can take it. Invite him anyways. So he invites his brother and his brother comes walking through the doors, walks through the doors for the very first time. And I see, (laughs) see his brother. And then there's this kid, his name is Richard. And he's got a smile from ear to ear because his brother's there. I mean, if you knew this kid, he's got the biggest cheese face. Like, he's just like, "Ah!" he's like pumped. His brother's there. And one of our youth leaders walks up and just wraps him in a big old bear hug. His brother comes walking up to me and I put my arms around him and I give him a hug and I said, I'm so pumped that you're here. Three months later, we snuck him in the teen camp because he was too old. <laughs> Gave his life to Christ. He's a board member, plays on the worship team father of two that loves Jesus radically and shares his faiths all because he had a brother who saw couldn't and said no I refuse to accept it please hear me there's someone in your life right now listen to me I'm pleading with you don't miss this I did not come here today to preach a sermon for us all to walk out and go oh that was a good one no we need to take action 
there is someone in your life and my life that when we look with our eyes, what we see is couldn't, but the Holy Spirit is whispering, could, could. Don't give me the, oh, it's COVID 2020. I can't listen to me. The door is open now more than ever before. People are willing to hear the gospel. People are hurting. They're broken. Like suicide is up. Depression is up. All the rights because people have been so isolated and kept from each other. Listen to me. The hope of the gospel rings so true now. Everything the enemy wants to say to you about couldn't, it is not true. There is someone in your life. I don't know who it is. That's waiting for you to re- reject and to cancel couldn't and to bring them to Jesus. But it's going to take some intentionality. It's going to take some determination. It's going to take some creativity. I don't know what it's going to take for you to get creative. But let's believe in the God who can. Let's believe in the God who still changes lives. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing here in just a second. And we're going to sing this song, Build My Life. And Clayton's going to close us out. But I want to pray a prayer over us before we do that. Because this song says, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. You and I, most of us in the room today, we have that firm foundation. If you don't have that firm foundation today, please come find me. I want to pray with you. I want you to walk out of here knowing you have a firm foundation. That you have a God that loves you recklessly. For all of us, can we start canceling couldn't? Can we be a church that cancels couldn't? Let's pray. Father, we come before you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are in this room, that every single time we open up your word, that God, you speak to us, you challenge us, that lives are changed by the gospel. Lord, we pray that we would be a church that brings people to Jesus. But for that to happen, that means we individually have to be people who are bringing people to Jesus. Lord, right now across this room, I know that there is names and faces coming across all of our minds of people that are in our life that we know, Holy Spirit, you're challenging us to be that kind of a friend that whenever we see obstacles, whenever we see situations that look like couldn't, when we see obstacles, we would instead see opportunity that, Lord, we would step into that that realm of discomfort and awkwardness and not be afraid to share our faith, that, Lord, we would bring honor and glory to you by telling others about you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would walk out of this room as different people, equipped and challenged to take action. That Lord, just as we have built our life on your love, that those we encounter would do so as well. In your name we pray.